Today, I spoke with Lori about her thoughts on meditation and the benefits of having a regular practice. To contact Lori or for questions about Spirit Road, you can email us at spiritroadpodcast at gmail.com. I also wanted to mention that Lori and Travis Warrior Unicorn, who was a recent guest on the podcast, will both be at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts Metaphysical Store in Littleton, Colorado. That will be on October 2nd from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. They'll be doing readings for the fair and will be sponsored by Awkwardly Zen. For more information on the fair, you can visit discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. And to learn about Awkwardly Zen, you can visit awkwardlyzen.com. Welcome to Awkwardly Zen Presents Spirit Road, a podcast about our spiritual journey where we can be awkwardly ourselves. It's a path that can be funny, absurd, enlightening, and life-changing all at the same time. Join us as we explore this mysterious world and life we live in. I'm Tim Behrens. I'm Laurie Hewitt. And And this this is is Spirit Road. Road. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So we are thinking about diving into the subject of meditation. Ooh, there's an easy subject to dive into. Yeah, and it's something that comes up a lot in the conversations that we have with folks in the community. And it seems yeah. like there are so many different flavors of that and so many different impressions of what it means and even maybe what to, what it means to do it right. If there is such a thing, which I'm not sure there is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Making the effort is doing it right in my my mind. But what and, does that mean to you? You know, it keeps evolving. I think when I first started trying to do meditation, it was all about getting it right and achieving some grand out-of-body experience and becoming one with all kind of thing. And <laughs> over the years... I began to realize that's not really the point of meditation, you know, and there's a bazillion different kinds of meditation. I was just reading an article about mindfulness and just being present with your thoughts and observing them and being present in the moment. And that mindfulness can expand to whatever you're doing throughout your day. It's about being mindful in that moment, no matter what you're doing you're doing the dishes, you're doing a laundry, whatever it is, being mindful in that moment is a type of meditation. Tai Chi was always a type of meditation for me because I'm so focused on the actual physical movements that my mind stays right there focused. So I almost think meditation is really, I mean, I think that's correct. It is about focusing your attention in a way that you stay in that space no matter what you're doing. I think artists do that. I think you as a musician do that. And as an artist do that because you're really focused in that moment of creating. And that's a very specific way to focus. And that would be a meditation. can also be walking meditation. Yeah, I agree. There's so many different aspects for, for me. uh, Yeah. Drawing mandalas can be a type of meditation. In the sense that in those moments when I'm creating them, 
I'm not thinking about what came before and I'm not thinking about what comes next. It's just this presence of moment and um, turning my complete entire attention to this process of creating something. And, yeah. and it's kind of an unintentional thing where, you know, when some meditations you're focusing on the breath and the in and the out and you have, or you have mantras that you're repeating something that is almost, I want to say like a forced focus. It's not really forced, but it's a, it's a directed focus and intention where sometimes that just happens naturally. And certainly art and music are probably two examples of that for sure. Exactly. So what was your ex first experiences with that? How did you first get into the, you know, when I first uh, hundred years ago, seems like um, first started to do meditation. Um, I, of course, had read about it. And they, the person I was reading suggested starting with a candle. So the idea was you, you sat down, preferably on the floor, with the candle in front of you, and just focused your attention right on the candle. And that's all. And you're, you were to be trying to clear your mind, any thoughts, you really tried to let them go and just focus your attention fully on the candle. I could do that for a little while. What I would find is I could stay focused on it. And then I, I would start to feel myself. It almost felt like I was starting to spin. And I think later I figured out that that was when I was moving into an altered state of consciousness. But in those moments, it would sort of frighten me. And so then I would pull myself back. And then of course I would lose concentration, but I stared at that candle, bless its heart for, for a long time. And, you know, I had varying successes with it. So that's kind of where I started. And then I've tried uh, multiple ways of meditating. I used uh, specific music for many years to kind of distract my mind in a way and allowed me just to sit quietly and just, just pay attention to the music. I've used guided meditations where someone literally walks me through something. So I've kind of tried them all. And now I just find I just will sit and be still and just notice my thoughts. So I guess it's more of a mindfulness practice now where I notice my thoughts and the more I can let them go, the more I open up a space to really connect with my guides and the angels, which to me feels like the point of my meditation. Mindfulness is not like that. For me, the meditation is having more conscious contact with spirit. So you do hear a lot of folks talking about the benefits of having a regular practice. And I guess that was going to be one of my questions. I certainly have thoughts on this as well, but really wanting to ask, what is uh, what is that benefit? What is the end result of having a regular practice? And it sounds like maybe some of what you're saying is that it puts you more clearly in touch with your your guides. But but why would you say that is? What happens there that opens up that channel for you? First off, let me just say that if you're practicing mindfulness, the point is simply to be still and be focused and be totally in that mindfulness place where you're observing your thoughts letting them flow through, and just being present. And mind's a component of that. For me, a regular practice of meditation gets me more and more open and to a place where I can quiet my thoughts, let mind and ego, in a sense, be still. And that opens up a portion of my mind, if you will, that allows me then that communication with 
my guides or with the angels or other divine beings. And for me, that's important because the more I build those relationships, the more I can access them in the moment when I need guidance right now. So if I'm driving and I've worked on this connection with my angels, let's say, let's say, and I'm driving and I say, oh gosh, I don't know which way I should turn. And I hear, or I suddenly feel or know this kind of the sense of, I need to turn right instead of left. I'm much more likely to trust that and turn the correct direction than if I don't have that relationship. And I'm saying, what was that? Did I make that up? Should I have turned there? And by then, of course, I'm like half a mile down the road. So it helps me in the moment to stay connected to that energy that wants to help us in our day-to-day lives. And every time I do readings with people, their guides are always saying, please sit in meditation. Please open yourself to having that contact with us so that we can communicate with you more clearly and more directly. That makes sense. And it does feel when those messages come through that they are present, they are in the moment, that anything Mm -hmm. that takes us out of the moment is taking us further away from those messages. I know for some people, myself included, having that first experience of sitting in a room in a formal meditation practice and being among others who who have been doing it for a while, this is where a false impression of what it means might come up, which is that idea that someone someone sees everyone else in the stillness and they can't they can't sit still or they think that everyone else is sitting in this place of peace and quiet and they can't calm their mind and mm-hmm. so it leads to that idea of oh i must be doing it wrong where in fact in mindfulness practices at least as i've as i've learned them the idea is that that's that's normal um certainly we can find ways to create space between all of these thoughts that come up but the thoughts are a very Um, normal part of our existence that in any given moment we're telling stories about what's happening in the world around us and the difference between our day-to-day thoughts and meditation is that when those things come up in meditation the idea is to acknowledge that they're there recognize them for what they are and then not attached to them and to let them go and and then ultimately another thought will come to take its place and then you repeat this process which is why you return to your breath that you find a focal point to say, every time I'm distracted, I'm going to rededicate myself to being present in the moment to not attaching to these stories. Exactly. And I think that allows us then to be present over time in every moment of our life and to stop the stories maybe a little bit and just accept what is rather than tell ourselves about how we'd like it to be. Like driving. If I could stay focused in that moment and just accept that, okay, driving is a pain right now. There are a lot of cars on the road. I can't go as fast as I would like. And I'm starting to feel really frustrated and angry at these other drivers. It would be so much more zen-like and comfortable if I could just say, ah, okay, I'm in this moment. There's a lot of traffic and I need to pay attention so I don't run into folks and they don't run into me. And just be in this moment of here I am and I'm driving as fast as I can drive and that's okay. I'm working toward that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's aren't not we easy. all? <laughs> <laughs> I always want things to be some other way than what they really are. Right. That a lot of dissonance and struggle in the world comes from the difference between what our expectations are and what's actually happening in the moment. 
And I do love the idea also that, that some of that anger and frustration we experience really is from those stories that we're telling ourselves. So if we can learn the practice of not attaching to those stories and just observe and just be present, create space from it, then we can also recognize how to better manage and navigate these feelings in us that they're coming up. And even to be more observational that there's this, this gets back to what you were describing with being in touch with guides and things is that I, I feel like as you create that space, you're also becoming more in touch with that part of us that exists beyond the stories that, uh, that observer that observes life unfolding and spirit having human experience and as we can start to see through those eyes, then we can also start to see the space that source lives in, that those messages come through in, and to more clearly hear them with that practice. That's beautifully said. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Because the stories just take us away from that. I should be able to drive as fast as I want, and those other people shouldn't be on the road is not helpful. And it doesn't match up with what is. <laughs> so... And it is about just being present and breathing. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I learned, a friend of mine was actually a, a TM teacher, Transcendental Meditation, which was fairly popular a number of years ago. And she graciously gave me some instruction and then gave me a mantra. So I will fall back on that occasionally because, again, it, in a sense, gives my mind something to focus on so that I can just be still and be present in the moment. And even as I'm thinking the mantra, whether it's OM or this other mantra that I have or whatever word you decide to use, it's interesting. I can be thinking that over and over, paying attention to my breathing, and I'll still have thoughts that run underneath it <laughs> that I can realize are like, oh, okay. So then I just redirect myself back to that mantra again. Because the mind is always thinking. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've often wondered, even even as I've had practices with mantras and been in groups practicing in those ways, it's, it's very calming. It's very centering. It does, like you say, give your mind something to focus on. And uh, there, there's something really to be said about repetition and mm -hmm. predictability. And it takes away the questions and the wondering and the worry and the anxiety and all of that. And yet, even as I say all of that, there's still this part of me that's questions like, what, what, what's actually happening there? What, what is it about that that makes that a useful practice? I found that I think repetition, I think you hit on that, is probably a good way to describe that because then that becomes almost hypnotic for me. And I can find that if I can stay focused and keep bringing my attention back to that, I do move into this place that's it's that quiet peacefulness that sort of stretches out even as I'm thinking the mantra. And when I was doing it twice a day, I would get to a point where I realized I almost wasn't breathing. There were like these long gaps between in breath and out breath. And when I said something to the teacher, she said that, yes, their instructor, the Maharishi or whoever it was, had also found that and had asked folks if they'd had that experience. And I think it goes with that sort of hypnotic trance-like place where I think you get to if you're just saying the same thing over and over again, that rhythmic kind of just thinking the same word over and over. This makes me think of a T.S. Eliot quote. 
mm-hmm. uh, and that quote is, we shall not cease from exploration, and at the end of all of our exploring, we'll be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. And as I'm hearing you describe the the repetition, mm-hmm. I'm also thinking about how there is a bit of a journey in, in saying these things over and over again. It's almost like I even think in music that you hear repetition as a way of reinforcing a point. And, and as, as that point gets reinforced, as you keep coming back to it, as you keep hearing it, there's almost an evolving story in it because the observer in returning is actually learning and growing and unfolding and seeing these new layers of meaning and something that keeps repeating itself over and over again. Just kind of realizing that in the moment that that's, that's been kind of my journey with mantras as well. It really allows you this opportunity to stay in one place, but to notice how you're changing through that return and through that presence. Oh, I like that. Yes, absolutely. I think prayer too, traditionally, is a form of meditation as well. That sitting in that prayerful presence and in a sense, talking with your higher power, whatever you believe that to be, and then also listening to see if there's a response and just being in that that place again, because prayer a lot of times is focused. Um, in the Catholic tradition, they use beads, the, um, oh, what are they called? Um, the malas or? No, that's, yeah, malas are one form of beads. <laughs> the rosemaries. The, the rosary, yes. Rosary, thank you. <laughs> the rosary, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and again, what strikes me about that, it's very similar to malas in that it's, it's very um, meditative and soothing. And you use each bead then to focus on. And as you say, the prayer, it goes through each of the beads all the way around. And with the malas, it's the same thing. It's, you know, you use each bead as you're moving along and it helps you to focus. So all of that, I think in many traditions, they've had meditation and maybe just called it other things. I really do love that. I hadn't thought of that, uh, especially with the malas or the rosaries and just that, that it's a, it's also a form of repetition. It's a form of focus and setting intention. Um, I've always loved the idea too, that prayer in terms of talking to God, that prayer is talking to God and that meditation can also listening with your breath or focusing on your breath can be listening for the answer that it's, exactly. it almost it becomes part of a conversation where there's a putting an intention out into the world and then hearing how it comes back. Yes. In the 90s, there was an incredible study done that focused on prayer. And what it proved was, is what churches have been saying for centuries, is that prayer is very powerful and prayer heals. And they, they had groups where they, I think they were heart patients, and they divided them up and one group got, well, they were prayed over and the other group was not. But in terms of prayer was a broad definition. It could be setting an intention and sending that to that person. It could be a meditation. It could be the traditional prayers. It could be whatever. It could be chanting, whatever. But it was about the intention of focusing healing on that individual. And they found that didn't matter what you did. The intention and using that, then the meditation of sorts or the prayer was what then sent that energy to that person. And the gentleman who who did this study and wrote a book about it said, you know, you would have thought that the churches would all have been excited and jumping on and saying, yes, see, you've proven that we're that what we've been saying for centuries is correct. 
And he said not one of them did because it didn't endorse a specific prayer or a specific denomination of prayer as the one that works. Because what he found was it didn't matter. It was like, if you're praying, if you're meditating, if you're sending an intention of some sort, that is the energy that's being sent and called upon that will help with the healing. But prayer is very powerful, and we've known that for centuries. Yeah, and I love that. That almost brings us back to the conversation or the beginning of the conversation as we're winding down here is that maybe what's not so important is what kind of meditation you do or how long you do it for. It's just the, the, the act of having a practice that you can return to is, is what's valuable and connective, whatever it may be. Perfectly said. Thank you, Tim. That sums it all up. That's exactly true. Well, thank you, Lori. We'll see you next Thank time. you. 